welcome to Eval Cafe. My name is Brian Hostler, founder of Strong Roots Consulting based in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, which is on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. I'm joined as always by my co-host. Hi everyone, I'm Carolyn Kamen, an independent evaluation consultant working out of Vancouver, BC, coming to you from unceded Musqueam, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh Nations territory. This podcast is an informal chat on evaluation topics. The kind you might overhear at your favorite coffee shop if your favorite coffee shop were frequented by evaluators. This podcast is for everyone, expert or novice, longtime practitioner, or just starting in the field. Even if you don't identify as an evaluator, as long as you have an interest in evaluation, this podcast is for you. So welcome to this week's podcast episode. And with us, we have a very special guest, uh, Kim Vanderwerd, and I'm going to let Kim introduce herself. Hi, everyone. Hi, Brian and Carolyn. Thank you so much for including me this week in your podcast. Um, I'm Kim. I'm a member of the Numbies Nation, which is uh, uh, located in Alert Bay, BC, which is a tiny island in the north coast, uh, uh, north uh, side of Vancouver Island. And I live, work and play in the uh, traditional homelands of the Musqueam, Squamish and tsleil people. Welcome to Eval Cafe, Kim. We're so happy to have you here with us. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited for the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we talked a little bit about what what topic um, we might want to cover in, in this episode, and we landed on uh, principles-focused evaluation as our topic area, uh, which is something that, just to put this right up front, we, we checked in before recording, and none of us is an expert on this. I'm not sure if there are <laughs> many experts on principles-focused evaluation out there yet, um, barring maybe Michael Quinn Patton himself. Um, so this is three of us talking about something sort of new and big in evaluation and what we think about it and where we're at on it. So does anyone want to start us off with their thoughts about you know principles-focused evaluation? What, what the heck is it? Sure. Um, yeah, I we have had the chance to attend Michael Quinn Patton's workshop on principles-focused evaluation. We have his book. We've kind of digested it from cover to cover. Uh, from our team's perspective, we see it as a bit of a paradigm shift in um, approaching evaluation and really getting at... Um, that heart-centered and values principle-centered uh, understanding of, of the programming and the impact of the work that's happening. So I think one of the most compelling things that came from the workshop that we attended in Vancouver was just the exercise on looking at the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's calls to action and uh, thinking about kind of a regular compliance uh, evaluation approach versus a principles-focused approach in evaluating the progress on the calls to action. And our, our table at the workshop focused on um, the 10th call to action, which was focusing on uh, education for Indigenous people in Canada. And the most interesting thing that emerged was... Um, the compliance evaluation would look at the metrics around achieving um, uh, Aboriginal people achieving the same graduation rates at the same rate as non-Aboriginal people, where um, if you probed deeper and thought about the principles that are existing within the 
call to action. There was a focus on um, inclusiveness and um, participation and collaboration and creating a system. But there was also kind of a, a focus on um, assimilation at the same time. So uh, continuing to assimilate Aboriginal people into an education system that wasn't working well. So we we found that to be quite interesting. The the story that you would tell using a principles focused evaluation versus kind of a compliance evaluation would be profoundly different. I really like what you said about um, the paradigm shift. I think you're right. I think it is it is a paradigm shift to how to think about evaluation. I know the first time I heard about it was in 2014 at the AEA conference in Denver. And I went to um, Michael's talk about it. And I remember sitting there thinking, I don't get it. Like I just, <laughs> like I wanted to, I'm like, oh, I can tell there's something cool going on here, but I was really struggling to wrap my head around it. And then in 2016, Michael actually came up here to Vancouver again and uh, did a, another presentation on it. Uh, downtown that I got to go to that. And I remember sitting there thinking like, maybe I get it. Like, again, like I was just still like, it was kind of bouncing off my head a little bit. Like I wasn't, I could tell there was something interesting, but I wasn't quite grasping it, but I felt like I was getting it a bit more. And then now I guess it was 20, I guess every two years I've been checking in with it. So yeah, 2018 going to the the masterclass that, that happened also in Vancouver um, that I think we were both, yeah, we were both there at that one that's when it finally really sunk in for me of like, oh, I see, I see that this is, um, it's a, it's, it is, it's, it's a paradigm shift. It's looking at evaluation through another, through another lens and, and from another angle that starts to ask very, very different questions. I think, yeah, what you highlighted in, in how we look at, how we looked at the, the TRC calls to action and, what you see when you look at it from one angle versus what you see when you look at it from that principles focused angle are very different things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, I like him, how you kind of characterize it in, in, um, I'm not sure that's if that's those are your words directly or if from from the book. I haven't finished reading the book yet uh, about like a principles focus versus a compliance uh, focus evaluation. Um, and I think, um, one thing that I've seen, I've, I've, uh, I think I first learned about it maybe at that same Denver conference, Carolyn, that you and I were both at, um, but I don't remember attending that specific session. But um, Michael Quinn Patton did a, a webinar last yeah, last summer through uh, Claremont graduate, um, the Claremont Institute. And um, so I, uh, one day webinar, I took part in that. And what kind of struck me, it's kind of like how with developmental evaluation, he kind of put a finger on, you know, people are using evaluation already in the case of developmental evaluation to in a different way that than what we evaluators intended in terms of um, using evaluation to support innovation, to kind of be more responsive, less rigid, less kind of stuck to a predetermined logic model or framework. And then with principles kind of to me, what he's kind of doing is saying, you know, why are we bothering with the project at all? Why are we bothering even with having to say we're doing these specific actions, but instead of being guided by principles? So, um, yeah, it's definitely a, it's a different way of looking at things. And, um, yeah, just kind of um, for me, there was that comparison with developmental evaluation where he seems to be kind of taking 
you know, what, what are people doing in the real world with some of these ideas and how should we as evaluators be responding to that? And it's not by digging our heads into the sand or saying our old methods are, are the right ones or saying, how do we change things up? I agree. Like, I think if each of us had the opportunity to reflect on the clients that we work with and think about the work that they're um, doing serving our communities, it is um, pretty clear that issues are extremely complex uh, with so many um, factors that confound any of the findings or or influence what you're going to see. And I think um, what I continue to hear is the need for kind of a shared common metric and um, that that they want to be able to tell a story about a really complex situation. And there's so many factors that that influence your ability to tell a common story about the work. So having um, having the principles be uh, your guide, being the common the the ground zero of the story, seems so fascinating to me because I think our team. Um, at Reciprocal Consulting, we have principles that guide our work that are articulated by Indigenous scholars, um, and those are ones that our team continues to check in on. And I feel like we do our work better when we are conscious and um, center our work on principles. So I can't help but think that there's like just such a profound impact that can happen if we use this, this approach. I agree. I think when I was um, in that uh, workshop earlier in March, um, one of the immediate impacts on me was to sit there and and I'm got a notebook in front of me. I'm writing madly, trying to articulate. Wait, what are my principles? What are my the principles that I operate by? That I do my work by? Um, and I've spent a good part of this year really trying to articulate um, and and reflect on, okay, you know, looking back on the way I do my work, you know, when, when my work goes well, what principles am I abiding by? Um, and, and when I run into problems, what principles am I neglecting? Um, and I've started with new clients now communicating right up front, like, these are my principles. Sometimes I, I frame them as values instead of principles, because I find there's a little bit more, um, from a language standpoint, I think people find it a little easier to connect with the idea of values. Um, and values are very connected to principles, but they're not quite the same thing. But when I write those down I, in my head, I'm thinking of them as like, okay, these are principles. These are values that are translated into action. So they're principles. Um, and that's that's affected my work for the better uh, in a very concrete way, just to be able to say right up front, this is how I work. And now when I run into problems or challenges or questions about like, oh, how should I approach this? I do. I check back in with with those principles I've articulated for myself and say like, well, okay, if I'm following that principle, what should I do? And it's so much easier to answer that question. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so I'm curious, how how did you come up with with your principles, if you don't mind sharing that? And is that something that a process that could work with with clients or as part of an evaluation process? Or is that kind of more uh, something that's more for an individual um, process that you went through? I don't think I followed it in a very systematic kind of way. I think you could. I think you could absolutely um, do that work with clients and and do it in a, a little bit more of a systematic way to help them explore. Um, but I think one of the the best ways to start to identify and articulate your principles is to start telling stories. 
tell stories about times when things worked really well. Tell stories about times when things went sideways. Tell stories about times when you got stuck or when you had a breakthrough. And then as you tell those stories, say, okay, so what, you know, what in this, you know, this time that things went really great, what was it about that that made things go really great? And do that kind of analysis. Mm -hmm. And from that, you start to see what the constants are. You know, oh, you know, our work goes much better when we are reaching out to, you know, our potential collaborators outside of our, our circle and our work tends to run into problems when we just, you know, stay very internally focused and, and, and neglect those outside relationships. Oh, maybe a principle is, you know, collaborate with partners. I think it's, uh, I, I like the way you talk about how um, you can start settling in and identifying what guides your work and through storytelling is such a, such a great way. We were just at a meeting and talking about um, uh, women's leadership and talking about how, uh, how that leadership evolves. And one of the people in the circle talked about developing your leadership through storytelling. It's not uh, going to a workshop and saying, these are the five steps for leadership development. It's more about uh, hearing these stories that are so, um, that have principles and values so embedded in them and uh, being able to sift through and find, um, find what's meaningful for you. I keep thinking about um, when we talk about storytelling and, and what my grandmother would tell me was, you know, sometimes you will hear that story again and again. And um, where you're at cognitively, your ability to um, understand and deepen your thinking about uh, principles or values that come through the story evolves over time. So um, while you're uh settling in and thinking, you know, integrity is something that really is a principle that I want to ground my work in. Um, you might have a, uh, an idea of what integrity means, but as you go through your practice and um, get challenged a little bit more, the notion of integrity um deepens when you actually put it into practice and your understanding, and I'm just using that as an example, um, but your understanding of what that means um, as a, a value that you declare for yourself versus a value that you see in action um, will definitely change over time. I think that goes back to the whole notion of um, complexity, our ability to understand concepts um you know you get an introduction and and as you apply the the concepts in your work it just naturally would deepen mm -hmm. and that's again a, a bit of a paradigm shift in that we don't have everything figured out right from the beginning for the for the program for the project for whatever we're working on and thus we don't have everything figured out for the evaluation right up front and so we're maybe starting out with some initial ideas, we're kind of carrying them forward, we're seeing how they play out in reality, and then we're going back and, and revisiting and re-examining everything again. Yeah, it really is. It's a different way of approaching it. Um, and I think all of these things, I think 
I think complexity, storytelling, principles, all of these feel very connected to me and really represent a, a different type of evaluation or, or a different way into evaluation, that paradigm shift, um, which sort of makes me curious about how do we get people to let us do principles focused evaluation if it's not what they're used to? I think it's a little bit, again, I bring up the example of developmental evaluation. It may be, it's might be part of the work, but maybe it's not what we traditionally think of as evaluation. Maybe it's a bit more of the front end. Maybe it's a bit more of the planning. Maybe it's some more of the program development. Maybe it's even some part of organizational development. I've done a little bit of work um, with principles focused, very, very minor, but I kind of wrapped it into some strategic planning for an evaluation project that I'm also working on. So um, so bringing it up to that kind of, that front end kind of work, I think made it a bit more like, okay, this makes sense. It's sure the, it's connected to evaluation or at least our evaluator says so, but, um, having it as part of kind of a strategic planning retreat and having it as part of some of this program planning pieces, I think kind of, it made more sense for people like, okay, this is why we're talking about this. It's, it, it makes sense. And then if our evaluator brings it up later in the evaluation context, it's something at least we're familiar with. One thing that I was thinking about, actually, it was the very first thing that you said, Kim, when you were talking about um, how looking at uh, the the calls to action through uh, the principles lens, you were seeing some of the those underlying principles that might not have been part of that explicit, you know, oh, this is what this is about, things around assimilation and so forth. And, and what it got me thinking about at the time was how, when we talk about program logic models and or theories of change, depending on whether you see those as the same or different things. Um, and we talk about the assumptions that go into those models and theories. And I really see a place for principles there to really uh, flesh out those models and theories of like, hey, let, you know, having principles be a really well articulated part of that. So we are talking about not just here are our inputs and here are our outputs and here are the outcomes we hope to get, but uh, really having well-articulated principles as though that sort of, you know, what's influencing how we do all of this work. Um, and I wonder if that's also a way to get people talking about principles in, in the evaluation context. I think that's a really interesting idea. Um, just thinking back over the last 15 or so years that we've been doing evaluation, I know there was definitely a time period where I was like a little bit over the top enthusiastic about logic models. <laughs> I, it very much appealed to my, uh, I'm quite linear, quite a linear thinker. And I really liked the idea of, of having kind of a roadmap of where we're going. Um, but what our team has noticed in the last I don't know, five or six years, we never use logic models anymore. We, they, they aren't even discussed in, in projects as we, as we, I mean, they might've been in some part when they're doing their call for proposals for the funding initially. Um, but they haven't been front and center in, in the work that we've been doing. And only recently we're working in um, two areas where uh, it is, complex and messy thinking about reconciliation work and thinking about women's safety um and we've been working on articulating theories of change which are there's definitely some parallels with logic models 
Um, but that's not a lens that we've used yet in the um, two theories of change that we're currently working on. And I think that's a really interesting idea that actually could get me back on the, the logic model train, um, I think, if we actually did that. I have such mixed feelings about logic models now. I mean, it's one of those, if I hear people sort of trash talking logic models, I want to jump in and defend them. And like, oh, it can, it can be useful to try to articulate these <laughs> things. But then I'm always seeing like, yeah, especially the really uh, traditional forms of logic models and the very linear, like it's going to go this and then this and then this and then this. I see them and I'm just like, oh, but that's never how it actually works. Like that's not a good reflection. So I love the idea still of being able to talk about yeah what are we trying to do and can we can we try to visualize that can we make it something um that is a little more concrete i'm a very, i'm not a i'm not an abstract thinker i don't know if i'm a linear thinker or not but i know i'm not an abstract thinker i like to have stuff that feels concrete and in front of me um and something about principles does that i think there's something about the way it's that translating your, your values into actions. Um, that's just such a nice link. And I find that, yeah, I, I sometimes I'll see value statements and I'll think that's nice, but what does it mean? Like, how does that work? Where does that, what does it do? And thinking about it in terms of like, how would you take those values and translate them into like, uh, an, an actionable thing? Like, it's not just like we value collaboration, but it's like, oh, be collaborative collaborate with other people that directive kind of like giving you direction telling you what to do that that's a difference between a principle and a value um i like it makes it concrete for me in the same way that that logic models sometimes make things concrete for me in a way that i like yeah and i think um one way that michael quinn talks about principles too is that there should be you should be able to to word a positive alternative of the principle so if the principle is work collaboratively, the alternative would be um, is to be hyper-focused within the team, ignore outside contacts. Um, yeah, maybe just the first part to like, you know, be really focused on within team connections. And that's a, that's a alternative. It's not just don't be collaborative. It's saying, let's just focus on the within team dynamics and don't care about collaborating with others. So, um, but yeah, um, I think there is that whole issue of, of, uh, I, I think I can think abstractly, but like you, Carolyn, I like to be able to put things down or make sense of it in a way that's more tangible. And uh, definitely, I think the principles can can help with that. Um, at the same time, though, when, when you have just a list of, of principles written down um, and you don't have the processes maybe in place to, to refer back to them or say, how does this actually integrate on a day-to-day -day basis with my evaluation work um, with this particular per project? It can be at least maybe one reason I haven't engaged as much is that I'm worried that, you know, this will be a nice thing to look at and maybe a good reminder at certain stages, but what influence will it have um, on a day-to-day -day basis or does it need to? So do either of you have thoughts on that in terms of kind of the application of the principles? One of the things that um, I feel, so I'm going to try to remember these off the top of my head because I don't have it in front of me. But when uh, Michael talks about like how to do like principles focused evaluation, he says there's sort of three basic questions you're going to try to ask and answer. The first is, you know, what are the principles in quite, are, are there, you know, articulated principles 
and and what are they they probably are i think there's whenever we do things unless it's like completely random there's probably some kind of principle behind it so that's the first question is you know mm-hmm. what are the principles the second one is are those principles um that you know we we're theoretically building the program around are they actually being adhered to in practice? It's almost that more sort of uh, implement, implementation oriented thing. And I think that gets at what you're talking about, Brian, like, okay, you know, if we can articulate all of these principles, but do we actually uh, follow through with them? Do we actually use them? Do we actually abide by them? Are those the principles that are actually reflected in our practice of what we do? And, and so I think that's an evaluation question. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think the third question, because I know people want to know is, do when we do adhere to those principles, does it connect to the kinds of outcomes we were hoping to see? So like those are the three right. the three guiding questions. But yeah, I think, you know, when you like, yes, we can articulate lists of principles and and never abide by any of them and never check in with them and then, you know, that that would be an issue. But it it it's an evaluative question. It's something that we can actually ask and explore. I think you guys have answered that question really well. <laughs> I don't know what to add to that. Perfect. I'll take that. So Brian, you mentioned that you've been dabbling in it. Can you tell us how um, your clients have received the concept? Um, how are they wanting to incorporate this into their work? Are they receiving it? Um, well, like I said, it came up kind of through a strategic planning process, which is preliminary uh, to an evaluation project. It's a, it's a collaborative project between two organizations. Um, and I introduced uh, the idea and uh, introduced, uh, I think of Michael Quinn Patton has the example, I think it's from the Twin Cities of a youth homelessness uh, uh, multi-stakeholder, multi-partner initiative. Um and they so said, like, yeah, those all sound great. That's kind of what we're doing because it's a it's a youth um, education um, uh, prevention program. So, um, so like, yeah, those all sound great. So it's kind of like, okay, great, they enjoy that. And then it's, it hasn't really <laughs> caught on fire yet. So, um, so that's kind of what I was asking the question a little bit in terms of how to make sure it uh, continues moving forward. But yeah, I think it's um, uh, the case where maybe I can see about bringing that back into the conversation or just. Um, maybe like you were suggesting, Carolyn, just to see, um, can we do a little bit of an evaluation as to whether uh, people are still believing that these are the most important principles? Are they adhering to it? Adhering to it? And then we can see a little bit further down the road as this project uh, folds out, um, is it actually making a difference, uh, whether it's actually having a, an impact on the outcomes that we care about? So, so yeah, so it's, it's kind of got started. It's kind of been, at least to my knowledge, not really... Um, getting a lot of uptake, but maybe maybe it has been, and I just need to do um, ask some questions and see whether it's been engaging, whether they've engaged with it or not. I guess related to that question, um, what do you what do you both perceive to be the barriers in moving principles focused evaluation forward with the clients that you're working with? Hmm, I think it's. Some of it is um, funders aren't asking, what are your principles? And a lot of evaluation (laughs) questions are explicitly or implicitly, often explicitly driven by um, what do our funders want to hear about? Our funders want to hear about change and results um, and, and not necessarily about principles. So that's, 
uh, one of those issues of like, okay, how to, how to make this relevant to, I don't think when I work with clients, I don't try to change what's important to them. I think what's important to them is important to them. And I always, I always start there and I work from there and I try to find, you know, okay, what are the connections between things that they already feel are important to them and other stuff, other opportunities that might be also valuable to them. So if, if, I think there's a a client who could benefit from having a, taking a principles focused approach to their evaluation. Um, I would probably try to introduce it that way. Be like, okay, yeah. So you, you feel compelled to like, you need to show that you're making, you know, change in, in X, Y, and Z so that, you know, you can continue to receive funding. So your program can continue (laughs) to operate. Um, If stepping back and looking at, okay, let's try to understand what we're doing and, and, and why we're doing it through something like principles um, and maybe connecting it to something like, you know, theory of change, if that's a something they're already bought into um, could be useful. That's why I'm, I'm thinking about that. Um, and I think if something really is valuable, then people will see that and, and, and grab onto it. So it's sort of trying to create that, that moment where they can sort of have a chance to, okay, principles, do we care about that or not? And if they do, and if it benefits them, that's when the buy-in happens and then you can do that work. Uh, yeah. So totally agree with you, Carolyn, about both um, the need to kind of connect in with, um, with the people you're working with, see whether the idea of principles kind of resonates and also the fact that funders may not always be uh, um, willing or quite understanding as to why, um, this whole principles thing, like, may not fit into their their conceptualization of what an evaluation is, um, or why it's useful. Um, so, I guess maybe another barrier that maybe I've encountered a bit more personally, and that's maybe just more my own uh, piece of it, is um, uh, you know we start off with with evaluation, which for some folks might be scary and new and maybe a little bit exciting, but uh, a lot of unfamiliar terrain. And they think, oh, that's you know you're just measuring things and you're going to report on that. And then we introduce a logic model or a theory of change, and then we talk about different types of evaluations: summative, informative, and developmental. And now we're introducing principles, and you might be wondering like, when does it stop? You know, where um, I'm a little bit worried just myself that I'm just kind of maybe heaping more new ideas onto people. And maybe that um, uh, that maybe I'm just introducing the principles because it's hey it's my brand new hammer and my evaluation tool belt and now everything looks like a nail that needs to be uh, be pit down with principles that didn't really quite work that metaphor but you know what I'm trying to say here in terms of uh, it's um, um, yeah so maybe that's a, a concern is just making sure that I'm I'm bringing it in for the right reason and also that I'm not going to be overwhelming people with this new idea, which they maybe just barely get in the grasp on evaluation and uh, some of the fundamental ideas there to begin with. And now we're kind of presenting a paradigm shift, like forget about all the stuff about logic models and all that we talked to you about before. Let's talk about principles. Uh, so maybe that's my, again, that might be more my concern than, than, than what's actually happening out in the community. So yeah. Hmm. Yep. That's an interesting, um, an interesting thought. One I hadn't quite thought about either. Of like, yeah. Do we? Are we? Are we? You know, what? What are we doing? And and can we be maybe really intentional and thoughtful about when we're using principles focused evaluation and not just have it be a shiny new fad? Um, mm-hmm. I do. So I kind of want to end on um, as we as we wrap this episode up, uh, maybe just a final thought from each of us on. Uh, yeah, principles, folks, evaluation, where do we stand? Is it something that we're going to keep using or do we have a particular 
uh, thing that we're excited about. And and I'm happy to go first. I think I think I will keep using principles focused evaluation. I think I, I I do feel like it is a paradigm shift, and it might be a bit of a bumpy ride for us to make that shift. But I think it connects really strongly with a lot of other uh, areas in evaluation that I'm drawn to and and I'm getting good productive work out of. So I think it's still something I'm going to pursue. Yeah, I think the same for me as well, um, despite my slightly uh, maybe pessimistic assessment a few minutes ago. But um, yeah, I think as we're dealing more of complexity, if we're trying to evaluate in those circumstances, if we're trying to work um, with um, with uh, different communities, um, if we're trying to kind of um, have a greater understanding of what we're doing and how to how to best do it, if we're trying to move away from just a time-limited um, uh, compliance-based project, and thank you, Kim, for introducing me to that term. That's a really uh, useful way of thinking about it. If we're trying to move away from that, uh, I think principles is kind of the way to go, and I'm just going to keep trying to learn and keep trying to work out how to, how to best uh, apply that in my own work. Well, I'm going back to a comment that Brian made about um, what I was hearing in your comment about uh, barriers to using principles-focused evaluation. I was reflecting on um, where we've had some inroads with the clients that we've been working with. And I think, to me, um, I come back to another one of the teachings that we've had from um, indigenous scholars and and our um, elders and community and family is that the work is relational mm-hmm. evaluation work is a, a human endeavor we're working with people um, and humanity and I think where we've had more traction and interest in pursuing principles focused evaluation is with people that we've had a um, a relationship with who know us and trust uh, how we approach the work. So um, I think back, I think I've shared this story a few times of one of our, if we were to logic model our team's um, success, one case that I am so excited about is a one client, a woman, um, I was sitting in the boardroom waiting for her to come in and really excited about the program that they were working on. And uh, she came in and sat down and looked me square in the eye and said, I hate evaluation. (laughs) And that was the first words out of her mouth. And I was like, oh, my goodness, Um, challenge accepted. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the... um, um, now we're fast forward. I think we've been working with them for seven years now, and um, they have evaluation all in all of their work. They um, have had increased um, funding opportunities. They are so excited about what evaluation brings to the table, and they've been really receptive to the notion of principles-focused evaluation. I think when you think about some of the really complex initiatives that we're taking on, a central component of it is really like, it's kind of like about disruption. We need to disrupt the status quo. And um, I think through thinking about why we're doing what we're doing. Um, When you're working with any program about, you know, whether it's physical activity or environmental initiatives or women's safety, there's a huge social justice component as part of it. And 
we need to really get real about all of these issues and start making change. And if it becomes, um, if there's opportunity through uh, principles to tell the real story of what's happening, then we have to do it. I think it's really integral to the the well-being of our our planet and the well-being of of the people who um, we work with. What an awesome um, story and perspective to end on. Thank you for wrapping up this episode so perfectly. Um, and Kim, mm-hmm. it's been fantastic to have you as a guest. Thank you for joining us in, in the Eval Cafe. And I just wanted to uh, ask if you had anything to share with our listeners, uh, something to, they should know about or, or be excited about. Well, I first, thank you so much for including me this week. I've, I've really enjoyed the conversation and I really wish we were all sitting at a table having a coffee together and actually continuing the conversation. Um, I, I mean, there's so many things to be excited about. I had the opportunity to meet, um, to continue to meet both of you one time in Saskatchewan mm-hmm. with Brian, uh, with a culturally responsive evaluation workshop that our team did. And then also with, um, um, with Carolyn in a four-day course through SFU. It's a course um, evaluation for transformation and learning. And that that course, we brought together 17 people, Carolyn included, and we went deep. Like we went really deep in thinking about what we're doing and why we're doing it and um, the opportunity for us to uh, continue with our mantra evaluation evaluators as leaders leaders as evaluators and um i think it's something that really energizes me in bringing together like-minded individuals uh, or people who can become like-minded individuals uh through this course is really exciting so the course is underway right now um and uh it will begin again in september uh of 2019 it's a six module course i might be getting that terminology wrong but it's a six uh class course and it goes through um, really checking in on your worldviews and um, systems thinking and leadership and um, data being political so uh, it's it's pretty exciting as someone who has been in in the first course of that certificate i a hundred percent endorse uh it was an amazing experience and you created such a phenomenal space for us to all come together and learn and share very deeply. And I can't wait to finish the certificate um, and take more classes because it was incredible. Yep. I've heard nothing but good things and I understand it's going to be offered again next year, hopefully. That's the plan. That's the plan. Yeah. And actually, uh, one of the co-creators and co-kind of founders of this course is is Michael Quinn Patton. Um, And principles were definitely front and center as we were creating the course two years ago. 
yeah, I think at this point, uh, unless there's anything else you want to uh, to plug at this point, uh, I think uh, all that remains is to thank you again for uh, uh, for joining us on this episode of Val Cafe. Uh, it was a great conversation, and uh, yeah, definitely see you next time you're out. Uh, hopefully, come back to Saskatchewan. We uh, it was great seeing you at that uh, event. I guess it was about a year ago now, and um, yeah, it'd be great to see you see you out here again or next conference whenever our paths cross again. Sounds great. Come to Korea in March. <laughs> yes, yes, that's another one that we should be promoting. There's the uh, Culturally Responsive Evaluation um, Association Conference in Chicago in March. And I think a lot of the people who were in the course are thinking about going, and uh, it will be really exciting. That's it for this episode of Eval Cafe. Thank you to all our listeners. Please check out the rest of our episodes on Pinecast, iTunes, or Google Play or by going to our website, evalcafe.wordpress.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at evalcafe. And if you want to drop us a line, you can find us at evalcafe.podcast.gmail.com. Musical credits go to Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com for Poppers and Prosecco, our intro theme, and Dispersion Relation, our outro, as well as to Tim at tabletopaudio.com for the lively cafe ambiance in our intro. Perfect. You can see, Kim, we are trained podcasting experts here. <laughs> we experts, totally yes. know what we're doing. We're, we're just as knowledgeable <laughs> in podcasting as we are about principles. So that's good. <laughs> Maybe even a little that's bit more awesome. so, but <laughs> if nothing else, awesome. we're going to have tons of blooper material for this episode. <laughs>